caregivers will meet. Good evening. Uh, it, is, it is an absolute honor to be speaking to you tonight. Um, I just want to go ahead and tell you, uh, it has been a blessing to work here this summer uh, with the youth. Um, it, it really is, has been a dream job, because uh, if I'd had the choice, that's what I would, where I would have been, what I would have been doing. So um, to be on staff here and to be able to do that every day um, and not have to worry about another job or anything was, was truly awesome, um, and I appreciate that. Um, I would like to, uh, to uh, thank the ministers here um, and the elders um, for their, their oversight and their, their uh, support. Um, I especially like to thank Griff for not running me over this morning like he told me he almost did by accident. But anyway, um, I want to thank each of the ministers personally for some of the things they did for me. Um, think, about, think about the times I would call Trey uh, for random phone numbers. He has like everybody's phone number, I think. Um, I'd like to thank JP for his numerous uh, technolo technology questions he would answer for me. Uh, and then David uh, has been awesome. You know, I would go in and have a question, end up talking to David for like 10 or 15 minutes, and just leave feeling better about myself. You know, just that awesome personality that David has. Um, I'd like to thank Bud Lambert uh, for the awesome example that he sets. Um, counseling is... is is hopefully going to be uh, my area of, of expertise later on. Um, but he, he's an awesome example, and I appreciate him for that. Um, I, I admire Elias um, for his, uh, his, his determination. Um, it, was so many, it was so interesting. Um, later in the summer, I found out that Phil you know, would ask him to come on things, go on retreats with us, go on trips. Um, but he just said he couldn't because... Uh, he had to make those, those weekly visits to these people that he's been um, you know, evangelizing to. Um, and he just he couldn't, he couldn't miss an opportunity to go back and visit with them. And I thought that was awesome. And of course, uh, working with Phil. Um, it's been, been the only, basically the only youth minister I've ever known. And um, that was just truly an awesome experience. I'd like to thank uh, the ladies that work in the, in the office, you know, Miss Pat, Miss Tammy, Miss Tracy, for all that they do. Because um, they truly do a ton. Um, this summer, um, well, here recently, I asked the guys in, in our Sunday morning class um, just some of the things that they had learned um, from this summer. Um, and uh, I've got a couple of, of um, statements here I'd like to read. Just most of these things came from the, tri the trip we made, it's called Chisel. Um, it was like 48 hours of straight one-on-one -on -one contact with all of these guys. Um, you know, we went around to different places and got to listen to a bunch of different people um, talk about the ministries that they're involved in. Um, one man we talked to was, uh, I think I believe his first name was Matt, but Matthew Vega. He was down at Faulkner University. He's a professor in the law school there. Um, but he was a big-time lawyer um, with FedEx in uh, Memphis. But he gave up that, that job, that all that money, all that esteem that he had um, to come back and teach at a law school, a Christian law school. Um, but he talked about being consistent. You know, I talk, and we talked to, uh, later with the guys, and I know 
me and David have even talked about this personally, you know, being consistent, living your life the same way every day. Well, as long as it's on the straight and narrow path. If you're stuck in a rut, you need to get out of it. But being consistent, you know, saying what, you're, saying what you mean and doing what you say. Um, and just speaking about Matthew Vega, <coughs> we, uh, he, he talked a lot about, you know, money isn't everything. He gave up that dream job to, to go in to teach. Um, one interesting fact that some of the guys threw in was, man, you can throw God, you can throw God into every conversation. Um, you can talk about God with your friends. Um, just bring it up, you know, when somebody says, man, I'm lucky. You say, well, you're blessed. Um, I remember one day, uh, the ministers, we all went out and ate, and um, one of our waiters, I believe, she was talking about how she just gotten engaged, and uh, she was going to be living around here, so, you know, I, David, you know, said, hey, JP here's teaching a new, newly married class, and I just thought that was awesome. You know, throw it into every conversation. <clears throat> um, then we had one man come and talk to us about uh, using our technology to spread the word. You know, how many of us uh, teenagers have, have Facebook? You know, we've talked about this a lot. You know, put your status. Put your status as like a Bible verse for the day. Or uh, um, I know one thing Phil, Phil told me about was uh, on your voicemail, leave a, a Bible verse at the end of your, your message, you know. Um, so there's lots of ways that we can spread God's word through our technology. Um, another thing that one of the guys said was that, uh, you know, there's a place for everyone in the church to serve. Um, and that's, that's very evident. You know, I believe last, last week we had three of our uh, deacons talk to us about, about areas to serve. Um, it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, one interesting fact that I thought was awesome that uh, one of our guys said was, God has never changed and he never will. Um, I think it's so awesome to serve a God that uh, we don't have to worry about changing. We don't have to worry about him changing his mind, changing something on us. You know, God is, God is solid. God is our rock. And we don't have to worry about him changing. Um, several of our guys um, threw in, you know, don't be afraid, don't make excuses to, to spread God's word to evangelize. Um, and I thought those were some awesome, awesome insights. And then um, finally, you know, use your talents to serve. Um, I know uh, several of our girls, uh, they went on sculpt as well, it's just like chisel. Um, but of course I didn't go, so I couldn't tell you much about it. Um, but they, they met with ladies that, that, that serve, you know, in different ways. Um, but especially one of them told them, you know, use your talents, use, use what you're good at to, to, you know, encourage, to uplift, to spread God's word. <clears throat> so those were uh, several of the things that we uh, looked at and we learned this summer, so. All right, we wanna go to the next slide. Oh yes, and then uh, just a couple of other things real quick. Uh, you know, you talk about going to camp, you talk about going to uh, our destination unknowns, you talk about going to our West Virginia mission trip, and then um, finding the giant Mountain Dew bottle that uh, David Shannon himself is embracing, so uh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, Tonight, I want to focus on humility. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I know what those words on the screen are. Um, so uh, those are, you know, the Greek translations. Uh, the, the first one is the verb, 
and the second one is the noun, you know, to humble or humility. Um, you think about those, those words right there. I think that first line right there is, is interesting. Uh, to level, to make, to uh, reduce to a plane. <clears throat> you think about, you, you, you know, you buy a new land, you have to clear it, and then, um, especially when you're gonna like build a shopping center on it, you gotta flatten it out, make a big parking lot. So think about that, um, to make humble. Think about a, a one soul, you know, you gotta bring down when they're prideful. You gotta bring down to a, to a um, normal level. Um, to have a modest opinion of oneself, an unassuming manner. Um, to have a humble opinion of oneself and a deep sense of one's moral littleness. And of course, modesty. So, um, I think these just help us to realize all the things that go into humble, you know. I think it's so neat to look at the Greek words and all the different words that they tie into it, the synonyms and different things, um, just to help get a better grasp of what that word is trying to say to us. So I tried to simplify it a little bit. Um, I think about it in terms of kind of, and this is something I've kind of come to just kind of this summer. I'm just working on different lessons and things. Um, to neglect your own wants and desires in order to focus on something else. Focus on other people, to focus on God, to focus on what he's done for us. And some things I have that we're gonna look at tonight. Um, to focus on what common sense can tell us. Because um, there's some things we're gonna look at that sometimes we might overlook or just don't think about all the time. Um, what God expects of us as we, as we go to evangelize, as we, as we go out and we live our lives. Um, and of course, what others need from us, so. The next section of this uh, lesson, let's see. What does common sense tell you? Um, if, you if you're like me, you know, I'm, I'm, fairly, I'm fairly physical, I'm, I'm fairly visual, and I like to see things, I like to touch things, I like to understand things in that way. Um, so the first thing I think about when I'm, trying to, when I'm trying to understand humbleness, when I'm trying to understand that I'm not all that important, what's the first thing I realize? I realize this entire this entire earth, you know, every blade of grass, every drop of, of rain, every, every little handful of cloud, every mountain, every valley, every animal, every little bug, you know. And that helps me to realize I'm not in control of anything. I didn't make anything. I'm really insignificant if you think about it. And I just say that, you know, I didn't create it. I mean, God did. So if you want to turn your Bibles with me, I'm all, we're going to read some from Job 38, just to help us visualize a humbling situation. Job 38. This first slide is four through seven. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? Or where were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Verses 8 through 11. Or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth they went out from the womb? When I, when I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? 
and I placed boundaries on it, and I set bolts and doors, and I said, thus you, thus you shall come and no further, but here shall your proud waves stop. In verse 12, have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Verse 16, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Verse 22, have you entered into the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of hail? Verse 28, has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? Verse 31 through 33, can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season and guide the bear with her satellites? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens or fix their rules over the earth? 34 and 35. Can you lift up your voices to the clouds so that an abundance of water will cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here are we? Verse 36. Who has put wisdom into the inwardmost being or given understanding to the mind? I think these slides and these pictures help me. Um, and these verses, so descriptive, so, so humbling. They show us that, that we haven't done any of these things. And there's no way that we ever could. Our God is an awesome God. And frankly, I am so insignificant. And I don't, I don't want us to get downtrodden, but I do want you to realize that the first step to realizing you're humble, or the first step to being humble, I guess, is to realize that, that God is in control. But I didn't want to leave you so, so downtrodden. So um, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, and a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of his name, who has called, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So tonight I want you to first realize that Again, we are insignificant, and God is in control. And since God is so great, um, let's look a little bit at what he expects of us. Um, what does God expect? Um, if you want to flip there, uh, I'm going to be reading Matthew 22, um, 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. So if you ask yourself, all right, I understand that God is in control. Um, I, I should be a servant to God. And then you say, well, what do I need to do now? 
Well, here's, here's the answer. You need to love God first with all your being, with all your body, your soul, and your mind. And this next step is to love your neighbor. And these are things we've heard, but I think it helps put in perspective what it means to be humble. But do we always only worship God? We can go to the next slide, yeah. Um, it's so easy sometimes to just to get into a rut and be worshiping ourselves. You know, thinking only about myself, only about what I want, only what I want to do. When really, when you want to be humble, you can't be like that. With humility, um, studying the word humility and humble in the New Testament, I found, you know, it's used three times in Paul's letters. Um, and each time, it talks about in the same sentence, you know, or the same verse, um, loving your neighbor or, or sacrificing um, regard one another as more important than yourself. So um, you can see Colossians 3, 12 uh, through 14. So as those um, who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on the heart of compassion, kindness, and humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint with anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is, the mo- which is the perfect bond of unity. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing with selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Again, focusing on others, focusing on what others need rather than just yourself. And then finally, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which, which you have been called, and with, hum, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So I think a key aspect of being humble is being able to love. Um, When you think about a humble person, you think about a person who loves others. You think about a person who's going to do things for others because of that love. Again, we think about the aspect to neglect ourselves and to do what God expects. We must love. And my last part tonight, I want us to look at what others need. Not only do they need our love, but they deserve to to have the same knowledge that we have. That knowledge of, you know, I am insignificant. God is so powerful. And God is the only one that can save me from my sin. If you want to flip over, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, from, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. What does it mean to recognize no one according to the flesh? Well, there is one thing I didn't mention about the guy's saying because it was going to be a point in my lesson. Um, but it was to, be, to see people 
not just as people anymore, but to see them as souls, to see them as souls that are going to last for eternity, and they're going to spend that eternity either in one of two places. So when you go to school, when you go to work, how do you think about your coworkers? How do you think about the customers that come into your work? How do you think about the people in your grade at school? When you go up and talk to them, do you treat them as such that they know that you care about their soul? I think that's such a big part of being humble. Um, realizing that, that we can have an impact on something that's going to last for eternity. If you want to um, look at with me, uh, verses 18 through 21 of 2 Corinthians uh, 5. Now all things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, Christ left that mission of bringing people to God with us when he left and went back to heaven. It is our job now to bring people to Christ in order so that they might be saved. We are ambassadors for Christ. Our daily lives should be lived out in a way that we show other people the love of God. A very common verse that most people will know, Matthew 28, 19-20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So tonight, let's sum, it all, let's sum it all up real quick. To be humble. To live and to think of others, to think of God, to think of, to think of anyone else but yourself. And when you're doing that, you're going to see that God wants you to love others. And when you love others, you've got to teach them about God. You've got to take your, that message to all the world. It may be uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable for me. I don't do much of what you would call evangelizing, I guess. Um, and that's something I need to work on. Uh, telling everyone that I meet that I want your soul to be saved. Tonight, as we close, um, let us flip over to Job chapter 40. Job chapter 40. 6-14. And the Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, Now gird up your loins and like a man. I will ask you, and you will instruct me. Will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that I may be justified? 
Or do you have, or do you have an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with eminence and dignity and clothe yourself with honor and majesty. Pour out the overflowing of, my, of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and make him low. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them in the dust together, bind them in the hidden place. Then I will confess to you that your own right hand can save you. One day we're all going to be humbled. And I sure wouldn't want to be Job standing before God and God asking me to do that. One day we're all going to stand before God on the judgment day. And as you can see, um, also in Romans 14, uh, 10 through 12. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I guess my point tonight is, you really can either choose to be humble tonight or during your lifetime, but at one point, eventually, on the judgment day, you will be humbled. And I think tonight, um, the whole main point is just to look at being humble. To think, to live your life in a way that thinks about others. You know, don't, go, don't go around, focus solely on yourself. I think that that is, that is a large part of this country's problem. They're so focused on themselves. All they want to do is take. They never want to give. And it's all about me. Tonight, I ask that you look at your life. And I ask that you think in a humble way about your salvation. And if there's anything tonight that we can help you with, if you would like to be baptized for the remission of your sins, or if you would like to come forward and have the prayers of the congregation, would you please come as we stand and sing.
Thank you, Jeremy, for that great lesson on humility. We've so much enjoyed you being here this summer, and I speak on behalf of all of the staff. Uh, you're a great person to be around, and we do wish you the best in your future and your continuance of your education, and uh, we do hope that you do succeed in the area of counseling which you desire to go into. The Lord's Supper has been prepared for the